You're listening to Episode 9 of the Propaganda Report with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley. Today's episode is brought to you by The Freak Show. With less than a week until Election Day, sit back and enjoy The Freak Show. On today's episode, pedophile Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express has finally landed onto the news cycle. Is James Comey protecting Hillary Clinton? The dangerously divisive propaganda of identity politics. And just who's watching The Watchers. Here's Monica Perez. Welcome to episode nine of the Propaganda Report, where the basic premise is that we that the news does not reflect the world, but that the world reflects the news, or at least that's the goal of propaganda. So what's happening right now in uh, the election cycle, it's the final act, the last scene. And the way I feel like it's less than a week for uh, till the election. And my sense is that it, it just feels so much like when you're at a, a fireworks show or a you know Fourth of July thing or whatever where they have fireworks and you know really big big show, you know it's the end when it's the complete blowout. It's so noisy. There's so many fireworks. You don't know where to look. There's so much sound and and like fireworks shows have gotten more and you know bigger and bigger so that this grand finale can last a really long time and you go and uh it's just overwhelming and you're not yeah you think it's gonna end yeah and you just keep going yes and when you walk away you're like wow that was amazing you're like that was really intense like you feel emotional that is how i feel about the home stretch of this election because what we're hearing is that uh oh just so many things are popping up i know Binkley, you have predicted quite a few of these things and not even necessarily like I predict, but just even when you're joking about some of this stuff, one of the things I thought was hilarious and completely reminded me of my favorite video of yours, which is the fake third presidential debate where Donald Trump keeps wanting you to say his name. I yes. saw a big yeah, banner. I think it was a Breitbart headline. It was also a headline on CNN. Paul Ryan cast vote for Trump. Won't say his name. <laughs> he won't say the name. <laughs> won't say the name. I'm in the middle of a restaurant. I got up. They had a TV on. I got up with my phone. I'm like, I got to get this. I got to catch this <laughs> frame for Binkley. But it was just, it, you really have your finger on the pulse of, I'm just going to say the ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> yes. But other stuff too. The, the um, I don't know why. I believe it was Comey, not a WikiLeaks. That's another thing. All our information is coming from leaks and everything, but- uh, the overarching picture here is, for me, that a lot of dirt is coming out on Hillary. They're they're uh, all over the the Comey, WikiLeaks, all these weird sources are coming out with just an overwhelming deluge of stuff against Hillary. And my feeling is this is a way to make it seem interesting, seem like a tight race, keep people engaged. I noticed that more people than I have ever noticed before have said that they are considering, actively considering not voting as a choice, not as a default or lazy, but as a choice. As and a protest. I, I, as or, or despair, a sign of despair. And I feel like this yeah. stuff plays into what you have been saying, which is people need to feel engaged. Yeah. 
it doesn't what it doesn't validate it or you know for some it, it, reason it validates they the system yeah like yeah. the government by by getting people to to come out and vote it in a sense it makes them accept the outcome yeah because i feel like we talk or i i've mentioned proof of election fraud there is proof of election fraud there's certainly proof that election fraud is totally possible and and it's hard to get people to believe that. But what people really will believe, if everybody around you just gives up and you yourself give up, if you did not vote, and a lot of people you know felt the same way, you would feel like it doesn't even matter if there's proof of election fraud. That in itself makes the system feel invalid. It really always comes down to the consent of the governed, the perception of the of the fairness of the system. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was telling somebody the other day. Um, I was talking to somebody, a friend of mine, who was evaluating the polls and stuff, which I, which the polls do have a validity and they do have influ- influential purpose. But I personally am not influenced by them because that's not how I evaluate whether or not wh- who I think is going to win. I, I, I kind of look at the country and I'm like, is there going to be a civil war if Hillary wins because people think that – democratic system is broken and the answer to that question is no i think so i think they will put hillary in regardless of what the outcome of the vote that's the beauty of the democracy that i mean and i mean that not like actual beauty but like that's what's so powerful about democracy is that you could literally oppress suppress repress 49 percent of the people whereas like in a revolution they call it the the irate minority you can have just a small 25 percent 30 percent of the people can say hey man this system isn't working for me and start a revolution but here people will sit on their hands when election cycle in and election cycle out it's like 49 51 and they actually like it that way they like to uh, make it feel like, oh, you're so close. Because think about it. If Hillary right. won by 70% and Trump won by 30%, people would begin to realize there is only one party. And then that 30% would say, I'm out. Yes. And you need the 30%. They can really cause yeah. trouble. The, yeah, there, need, there needs to be the the perception that what you're fighting for has an opportunity to succeed. Right. And if it really went to... Uh, like if the GOP only garnered 40% of the vote, there would be a third party or fourth and fifth party. Like you could have just a splintering the way it is in other countries. And it does have the, it does have an effect. It actually, I don't think the actual vote count per se is the most important thing, but I do believe that the, the perception and the, the opinion of the public where it's loudest and where it can make itself heard uh, most broadly when that's when that is done, that does shift what the elites are capable of doing. It does take their power away. So there is power in these movements that we have. I, I don't want people to think that I'm saying that there's not because there is. Yeah. No. Can you explain that one more time? I'm not 100 well, percent sure what you're trying to say. If the if the, the elites just can't give people an election, they have to shift and fracture public opinion in certain ways. But certain movements that that build momentum and and of course they do get hijacked a lot, but. Fighting to create movements uh, at the ground level, um, grassroots, and, and spreading spreading the message about a candidate or something, that does have an effect on, on the outcome and the, and the way that things happen because that can't be ignored by, oh, by right. the elites. So, so I'm not telling people to be passive and they're not help. Like we have power. It's just a different way, I think. That, But that can also 
play into the hands. And and this is when it starts feeling hopeless. And I'm not trying to be hopeless, but they also use that kind of opposition in the service of the dialectic. So like the deplorables, the dialectic is people say it in a lot of different ways, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, um, crisis, reaction. I don't know what, like, I, well, I it's like this. It, but- it's like this. It's like, um, there's a, there's a population that, um, Say I'm the government and there's the population. I, I want the people to need me, so I'm going to create a problem, and they're going to fight amongst each other trying to solve the problem, and then they're going to come to me and ask me to fix the problem for them that I created for them. That's the basic. Yes, yes, that's the mechanism, but I'm saying what is the actual – impact and a great like the most obvious example is there was this great battle between communism and fascism in the 20th century and what do we have now a synthesis of both of those things we have fascism corporatism here and socialism here we have it all and i i always think about the 21st century what is the 21st century dialectic and i don't want to go off on a tangent but i can't help but feel like we're being set up that it's a kind of religious thing like that, that Islam has to be a part of it. And, and that might play in now it's going to be a hundred year process. So I don't think you're going to be here to say, Hey, remember what I said? Cause here it is, but that there's been a, a very, it's been at least a hundred years or more where the power elite have known and have worked towards a one religion, a world religion. They realized eradicating religion wasn't going to work. People need religion. And so what you need is to use it as a tool. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff on that you can really dig in. But I was thinking if you have a clash of civilizations, which is a Samuel Huntington book, it was a Bernard Lewis article, if I have that right, uh, where they're saying it's like the West against Islam, the West if you if you were to actually have that thesis antithesis, what would the synthesis be? The synthesis would be like a Unitarian church or unified worldwide church where certain laws of morality are, um, you know, legislated. So, you know, then you've got either mandatory abortion or ban on abortion or whatever, but everything's going to be banned or mandated. Uh, so it's going to be a religious thing, but there's always a dialectic where it's the two and and if you it's funny because if you look at the communist fascist thing you're looking at uh two totally undesirable anti-american you kind of stipulate that the american experiment is dead when you look at the fight as between we should have just stayed out of all those wars but we didn't and then and it's just like i think what's happening with the left and the right and the deplorables. So the left has embraced this idea of identity politics. It's not a principle thing. It's not an ideology thing. It's an identity thing. So now, so the right would never embrace that. They would always argue against it with ideas. Can but you define identity, identity politics? Identity. So, so they say, so this is how I look at it. It's kind of like market segmentation or it's how the oligopolies work. And now an oligarchy, you can take, if you tell Hispanics that they all have the same interests and then you give them a leader who's really part of the power elite, you give them a leader, who tells them what to do, who they think is part of their world that has loyalty to them. And can tell them the right thing to do. It's and the Pope is a leader like that, and you have Jesse Jackson is a leader like that, and maybe Hillary is a leader for females or gay. Like to say that the gay movement is a political movement makes no sense. Like if you are a rich guy, maybe you want lower taxes, or if you're a libertarian, maybe you want no, you don't want the government involved in marriage. Yet they take your identity 
as being gay and say, well, then you need to fit into this political system. And and so the deplorables, likewise, they're replacing this populism isn't really an ideology. It's a me first. Who's me? The deplorables, white, white middle class or whatever. And so it's then, like a, ca- they, a way to categorize people and to appeal to them based on those specific interests, those identity right. interests. And by doing that, you divorce them from unifying ideologies so that it, Ron Paul and the Tea Party, not the Tea Party, Tea Party I wasn't, uh, when it was just taxed enough already, yes, that's a unifying idea. When it started getting uh, broken apart, then I can't evaluate each sect. But the Ron Paul revolution was for sure uh, a unifying ideology based on individual liberties, which which rises above identity because you're an individual. Your identity is you, your name. You can't band together. Nobody can tell you who Monica Perez what that what it what it means politically to be you you decide that based on this ideology that it is your right to decide that as long as you don't interfere with other people but by replacing that with this deplorable thing you've gotten the right to embrace identity politics by saying oh what you know it's it's about time that white people was one of the groups that is cared about and that is it's a, it just makes it plays into their hands creates this dialectic of different identities, maybe this like now I was looking how Texas is starting to go Democrat. It's not going to go Democrat this time around, but it started to go Democrat because of Hispanics. And and then so now you have like a 49, like the white minority. So it's like maybe 49 percent of the people white. And then you have that versus everybody else kind of stitched together on the left. But you get rid of the ideology and uh and that so it's a dialectic where the the thesis and the antithesis are both undesirable, like communism and fascism. Yeah. The thesis of you know um, minorities need privileges, and the anti- antithesis of uh, white people don't want to get left behind. That when you synthesize that, you just have a uh, very divisive society that doesn't have a a coherent touchstone for principles right who will vote for a communist who runs a campaign on equality yes and they will keep and those people or or a fascist who will who will promise you uh more wealth you know it's just they they both stipulate that big government is where you go to get what you need and then you just fight at fight out you know fight it out over the corners like the mob does without ever addressing the fact that it's a criminal enterprise to steal from people and redistribute wealth i think it's important to point out too that Almost every dictator who, who's ever been elected, they don't start off as dictators. Usually they're, they're elected and they become dictators. Their campaigns were not run on, hey, elect me. Let's kill a bunch of people. I'm going to be a dictator. Their campaigns <laughs> were run on equality, justice, freedom. Right. Uh, the, it, it, was, it was run on the, the same talking points. Not Sometimes so much freedom. scapegoats. Sometimes yes. Oh, no, total scapegoats. Um, they always have – they have a scapegoat – not a scapegoat, a scapegoat to demonize, but it's <laughs> always equality. It's always a promise of uh, a one-world a one unity, a utopia. It's, it's what Hillary Clinton is pitching. I, I don't uh, – can you give me a little color on that? Because it feels to me like she's not really pitching much of anything. 
Well, her her pitch is maybe other people are doing it for her, but she's pitching the idea of equality. She's pitching the idea of I'm going to get equal wages for everybody. She's pitching the idea of uh, to black communities this this oppression is going to end. Yeah, but that's just same old, same old from the left, right? Where they've replaced. Right, Just and that's my that's my point wrong. is is yeah. the talk the, the talking points that are because this is why people are voting for her and, and supporting for her. Like I know people who will reference those things uh, about justice and uh, social justice and equality, and I'm going, you don't understand. Every dictator that's ever been elected, yes, yes has yes, yes, the exact yes. same thing, and they don't intend to do that. The reason they use that, this is written in every PR propaganda book, uh, uh, you know, since the beginning uh, of literature that they use social justice, use equality, use this stuff, and talk to these oppressed minorities and these these uh, people who feel oppressed, and, and that's how you get them to vote for you. And you know, it doesn't matter that you're not going to do any of that. And don't forget that they actually have to be and feel oppressed. Yes. So that's when you get a pathocracy. That's when you have a government that actually actively pursues policies that make it worse for the people. And that's what if you (laughs) if you and that's what you were kind of this dovetails with what you had been saying, and it's hard for me to get my mind around about the deplorables, how you know, what I'm saying is by embracing that, I, I think it's cute and funny when the when I get Twitter people who are like, I'm your deplorable. I just think that's funny. I love that they embrace it. You know, I, I think that's great because it's just in your face. I don't care what you think. And I and I appreciate that. But by really buying into it, you're you create the feeling of uh, oh, I totally lost what I was going to say. <laughs> we were talking about deplorables, and I think you were going to the down the road of you're kind of identifying yourself as someone that in the future Hillary could separate and cast out oh, from society. They have to. Okay. If if people embrace the idea of deplorables, you play into their hands and what they must do is keep you feeling oppressed. So Hillary has to go out of her way to make white people feel like they are not privileged. So that's what happened to the black community when they actually went in to black communities and broke up families and encouraged welfare and all this kind of stuff. You have to, and and the drug war and the greater incarceration rates, all that stuff makes the black community know darn well that they have uh, they are not being treated fairly, and that plays right into the hands of the Democrats. So the Democrats are never going to free them from that uh, underprivileged status. And now the Republicans have the same motive to keep the deplorables feeling sidelined because by um, so that they can continue to say, oh manufacturing is gone. You guys are losing your jobs. So the Republicans want, like, are going to, I'm just saying, it gives them an incentive to want uh, these trade deals that drive jobs away. So they have the white middle class needing them, wanting them. If if people didn't fall for that, yeah. then if they didn't, cut, you know, didn't pivot to that, it would be a failed approach and that and failed approaches have happened like obama wanted to bomb syria for the children because of the chemical weapons attack that did not work so they had to allow isis to emerge or create it 
because so they they try different tacks and i think the deplorables tack is really working and that it'll end up validating the plot to create the deplorables as an undesirable subsection of society it will give let's say republicans i don't know power by being their champions and that will make the the right committed to the deplorables as an an underclass as a permanent underclass the way the democrats and the left are committed to the black community being a permanent underclass like it's paradoxical that your own hero but that's this whole pathocracy thing where the government is uh working against the interests of the people yeah that's one way they could go with it i i kind of see the deplorables as as being the de- the demonized group that all the problems can be pinned and blamed on because for so long they have been they have been the oppressor and so all the problems can be pointed to them and that way the, yeah. the hostilities in the future can be taken out on them well that's the beauty of the thesis antithesis thing it's that yeah. both sides then are at each other's throats it's that that isn't different from what i'm saying that augments what i'm saying that there's a natural yeah. tension. So you have tension. It's it's the perfect way to make it us versus them without us realizing that so that we still think it's us versus us. Yes, yes. So our own leaders on whatever side you're on have to keep you down so that you need them. And that's absolutely, it's just created dependency. It's a very common, you know, obvious thing. But at the same time, by making it identity-oriented, which is something you can never overcome, you can't switch races except for that uh, NAACP chick, right? Didn't she identify <laughs> yeah. as a different race? But generally speaking, you don't get to choose your race. And, uh, and, and if that's the issue, then you're going to be at each other's throats forever. It's, it's sinisterly brilliant. But... I, I, I want to. Speaking of the deplorables, I have to just point out that this morning I saw a headline on Fox News that said police capture suspect in separate ambush style attacks that killed two Iowa officers. And I hadn't heard anything about this story, but uh, I read it. There was like no details, no information about the guy whatsoever. But I sent you an email about it with the subject line that said, this was my prediction, anti-government lone wolf gun nut deplorable, question mark. <laughs> so I had predicted that this guy, well, I mean, I saw that he was white. So if you're going to go with the identity politics um, theory, he would fit into that category that I just emailed you. And lo and behold, later on, I kept checking to see when they would have like a bio on this guy. It said that he had been had run-ins with the law twice before. In the first case, he became aggressive during a body search for weapons. So he didn't want to be searched and he liked his weapons. So that's anti-government gun nut. And he said in the second case, he threatened to kill a person he called by a racial slur in a parking lot. So he was obviously a deplorable. <laughs> and in the beginning, the cops had said there was more than one guy. And uh, and by the end, now he's the lone wolf. So he was all of those things, anti-government, lone wolf, gun nut, deplorable. And that's how they're, this group is going to, uh, I think it's going to catch on. And I think that's how it's defined. And to that story right there, I've seen two other stories like that in the past probably month and a half where same case. It was the same type of description and 
same type of crime. Lone nut, well, you know, starts off as a couple people, then the person who provokes them gets the heck out of there, and they blame it on the lone nut. And what they're doing is, this is a, a kind of a long-range propaganda, is they're seeding the idea that these people are committing these types of crimes, that these deplorables are, are actively committing these crimes so that it is going to be a threat in the future. So that way they don't have to just spring it on you all at once. They can point to examples of this occurring. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's why these uh, there is a, a real pattern that you can see where they have a lot of little stories that feed into this big picture. They don't give it too much they don't make everything a media blitz in your face. They don't. They just they just build up to this critical mass feeling where it adds to statistics. It adds to the background thinking. It's like that you plowing have. the fields and, and putting seeds in when you're farming. Yes, yes. And one of those seeds is like an oak tree, and it's gonna yes. pop up. I don't know if this is that guy, but it was clear. And then Trump immediately started talking about it. And yeah, I have to recognize that when this stuff immediately hits the highest levels, I remember the most egregious example was a guy in New Orleans, Lafayette, Louisiana, who shot a couple of people in a movie theater. The first tweet about it, the first tweet about it was 45 minutes after it happened in the middle of the night. And in the tweet was a quote by Obama. So it was like a reporter was reporting uh, or or like that Obama's already been briefed 45 minutes after this guy shot some people for no parent. You know, nobody knew what the story was. It could have been his daughter and her boyfriend. You know, nobody yeah. knew the story, but immediately made the big, big headlines. And that's that's one of the many uh, flags for a kind of psyop. Yeah, and, and we should also point out the – I haven't read it fully yet, but the headline of the, the, the church story that just came out on CNN. I don't know anything about the church story. It, what was the, it? It's a story where a black church was set on fire, was vandalized by Trump supporters is the, the headline. Where? And on the side of the where? Trump – it was on CNN about 30 minutes But ago. I mean what's – Oh, I don't know where exactly. On the right, side right. of the church was spray-painted Trump. You could see that in the image, and – I, that sounds like it's going to be leading down that deplorable path again. Yeah, and, and here's the thing that – one of the things that gets me confused <laughs> is this stuff cannot appeal to a majority of the population. And a lot of what Trump says, I don't – I think obviously – I don't think this guy – I think Trump is just playing a role. So I'm not hating on him or anything. I'm just saying – that this stuff does not seem to me that it would appeal to the majority, yet there's all this back and forth talk about the polls and Trump is secretly winning or whatever. It's just impossible for me to believe that with that kind of a, uh, those kind of flavors that you're going to get that. You, you know, uh, yeah, this it, it just dawned on me. Just, I just realized the the Dr on Drudge Report and on Fox News, mainly Drudge Report, you had you had a story of Louis Farrakhan calling Hillary Clinton Hitler, to and telling his followers that she's Hitler. Louis Farrakhan, an African American, and then you had another story with Project Ver Veritas on Drudge, which was their latest release tapes, where it includes black people. Um, 
basically talking about how they can't believe that these people who are working with Hillary Clinton are racist. So you have those two stories on that side of it being uh, pro- propagandized. And then on the other side of CNN, you have the headlines of the the person shooting people that you just described and the white people burning down a black church. So you, so you have those two opposing competing propagandas on those two different networks. And the thing is that though that kind of stuff, I believe – that Aldous Huxley thing that you sent me, I have to post that. Maybe I have to find that and put it in the show notes. It just oh, it really sticks with me. I, I don't know if it's, I'm sure, I don't I don't think his stats were real, like he did a study, but he, maybe it was, maybe it was real. Maybe they did do a study where it's like 20% is one end of the spectrum, 20% is the other, and the 60% in the middle are the swayables, or, or let's call them the swayables. The swayables. Swayables. And, uh, <laughs> And so when when you read Fox or CNN, they're just preaching to those choirs. Yeah. And there's no value in it whatsoever except for to reinforce what people are already thinking. So like when you ask yourself why, why are they uh, – if if Trump is in on it and they're losing on purpose, why do they – does Fox harp on the Hillary emails and, and that kind of stuff? A bit, but it's it's just to satisfy the true believers it feels like to me. Yeah, uh, that it, it keeps people involved in the fight. You know, but I'm just curious where the swayables get their news because they're not true believers of Fox or CNN, don't you think? Like the independents, where are I they did getting it? it? I asked people when I went out and did that man yeah. on the street. We have some audio of it, and a lot of people got it. Get it from like Facebook. That's one of the main news sources, and Facebook is completely biased. It's they they the people who work at Facebook they've admitted that it's biased, and you're getting news from whoever posts the most in your own network. So the five or six friends that post the most links, you're getting whatever ideology they support put in your face all the time that's becoming news uh well there's a so there's the mainstream media and then there's the side stream media which my um one of my favorite listeners <laughs> writes to me so great about the side stream media which is the mainstream media for people who don't trust the mainstream media yeah so and that's what facebook really is so yeah. so maybe it's it's that and those swayables i think there are like many layers of the propaganda thing. So you have the like in your face stuff for the 20% on each side. Then you have the swayables on Facebook, but then you have stuff like uh, the council of foreign relations, foreign affairs magazine, the Atlantic, the kind of sophisticated stuff. Yeah. For people Plays who to think the, they're uh, super smart. <laughs> yes. yeah, it, so that's that's really... the thing. The propagandists, they, they the British propagandists in world, uh, leading up to world war one, they specifically targeted the intellectuals at universities, the people who have had the most education because they knew that those people would believe themselves to be immune from propaganda. And they openly talked about how that group of people was the easiest people to propagandize. Oh, that's funny. I, I only observed what it was, what that had happened. I never heard any of what you're saying, but I see it. I see it happening. And the arguments do have to be a little more sophisticated and yeah. they do have to bring in like facts that are. So here was something that happened that made me crazy this week about the Comey thing. Comey, the FBI director, put out this incredibly vague. Can we launch into that right now? Yeah, go ahead. Change gears. Yeah, let's do it. So he's 
our last episode, we talked about this. He sent out this letter to Congress, which was insanely vague, like, oh, we found Anthony Weiner or whatever. He didn't say him by name, but it's like, we found this laptop we hadn't known existed before, and it's got some stuff on it. We don't know what it is, but I thought I'd let you know because I don't want to get in trouble. (laughs) But of course, that's the worst thing you could do because it was totally vague, whatever. And he said, we don't know if any of these emails are relevant, and we don't know when we're going to know. But that story in itself does not make sense. And But Binkley, I want you to, we haven't talked about this, but I want you to tell me if I'm not thinking about this right. Supposedly, there were 650,000 emails on Anthony Weiner's computer laptop. Uh, so I don't know, do you, Binkley, have emails on your computer? Because my emails are on Yahoo. You know what I mean? Like they're not on my computer and not someplace else. Like I don't, my laptop is not a server. Oh, right. right like so are they every downloaded single, to the computer? Yeah. Is there any email on your laptop right now that doesn't exist out there? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it caches and, and it actually ends up on your hard drive or not. I don't know enough about computers well, to know no, that. No, but it can go on. To, I'm not saying it doesn't get on your hard drive. I'm just saying if it's at Yahoo or at State Department or at Clinton, it's all at those other places. I mean, it would have to be a unique address they did not have access to before that, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's what, that's just the first thing that I, but there, but or if okay, Wiener so, took him when he was, when he got divorced as blackmail or something. Yeah, but they, but he couldn't erase them from the cloud. He's not erasing them from the state department. He's not erasing them from Hillary's server. Oh, but they're saying oh, yeah. it's like some of these 33,000 that were erased from Hillary's server. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So, uh, so it's, let's assume the laptop's five years old. That's like over 100,000 emails. That's like 10,000 a month. Right. And we also it's, have to factor uh, in the fact that, that uh, Wiener is going to a lot of, a lot of like pornography type sites that are putting viruses all over his computer and making it hard to store a lot of Oh, of course. Yeah, that's not a joke. Um, I mean, I'm serious. I'm yeah. sure that's true. Yeah. So, uh, so I just like did some quick math that it would be if each of them had half of the emails, it would be one email every five minutes for every hour they were awake for five years. Yeah. My so, friend did the math on how long yeah, it yeah. would take to actually go through it because I was yes. like, if anybody more than uh, – you have to have like only one or two people read the emails. Otherwise, it, the investigation is corrupted. And I can't remember, but he, he did the math and it was something like if you did it for 24 hours straight every single day, it would take you like – 500 days, something like that. <laughs> no, but, but you don't have to do that because this is what happened. And, and I knew you didn't have to do that because I went to my computer. I have a Yahoo account that I only use for commercial, like for Neiman Marcus or whatever, Nordstrom's. And I like, it's just for spam, basically. I never give anybody my address and it's filled with 25,000 emails of spam. So I went, I've had it for since 2010. So I just searched for Neiman Marcus ads, whatever, and it took three seconds to pull up all the emails I had gotten from Neiman Marcus since 2010. It says 25,000 emails. It's searched in three seconds. So you could really get rid of a lot of stuff. But then so it's so this is my it's like a two part thing. So to me, it's absolutely implausible that they would have no they could not actually do the whole thing in plenty of time, probably before Comey even put out that letter, they could have done it. Then Daryl Issa, who I believe he is still the congressman, a congressman from California, and I think he's also the richest congressman, he comes out and says, and I, I do not like him, and I'll tell you why, but he came out and said, 
we have this de-duping software. So de-duping, <laughs> like he could tell that yeah. it was a duplicate. He said you could run that on that in and eliminate all duplicates in a matter of seconds. So start with that. And then the Wall Street Journal said that it takes one person one minute to actually read an email. So uh, you could eliminate. So it's so obvious that that the story is just not true. Yeah. Like, and then, but here's the thing. So ISA does this, like with Operation Fast and Furious. He came out and investigated Holder like crazy. He insisted on all these documents. Holder wouldn't give them to him, so he holds him in contempt and then drops it. So he didn't actually ever get the documents. They never did anything with Operation Fast and Furious. And this is like ISA's role to seem like the tough guy. But really, so he brought this issue up, which we all think, or I should say, was like the elephant in the room. Like the story does not hold water. The wiener in the room. And then, what? The wiener in the room. (laughs) You know. You always got to work blue, Binkley. I'm trying to be serious here. So he, no, though that is really an unfortunate name. I wonder if that's why he was asked to do this psyop because he just lent himself to it. Maybe, but because uh, I've I've thought it was a psyop for a long time. But this guy, so Isa, says this stuff, and he'll never pursue it. But it is a violation of the law to deliberately. Um, use the law, it's the Hatch Amendments or whatever, like Comey is not allowed to drop this bombshell with the intention of screwing up the election. And the fact that his story on its face in that letter cannot be true, as Isa points out, means he should be investigated for it. So but what, they'll what, never what if this do happened, that. though? Yeah, like what, what if they did investigate him for it? If he really did break that crime, couldn't it be possible that they could throw out all that evidence? Yeah, but they'll never investigate it. That's what I'm saying. It's just a psyop. And nobody asks just simple little questions like that. Like why I'm telling you why I think it's a psyop because I look at that and yes, that's a real thing. That could be the thread that they pull, you know, and they won't pull the thread and you know, they won't. And that's how you know it's a psyop. I considered that with that, the hatch thing. What what was the general's name who, who got, um, Petraeus, you know, they threw him under the bus. Yeah, and then they just threw a new general under the bus as another psyop just to make it clear that Hillary gets special treatment. But I have to say I have a new read but, but what on if, what if the, what's what going if the on with Comey. the evidence is, are in those emails, and so he's being thrown under the bus, maybe willingly, for some, something in exchange, and those most damning emails are going to get thrown out because it, it was done illegally. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah, like so the evidence is tainted, Yeah, and you can never – oh, that's – that's interesting. That's just the kind of thing, Binkley, that you come up with. <laughs> and since I never stop talking, <laughs> sometimes I forget to listen. And uh, and then I remember when it pops up in the news a week later, like, hey, Binkley said that. That is just the kind of thing that could happen. There was a couple of other things that you had said that popped up Um this week, what were they? There was the thing about <laughs> Donald Trump wanting you to say his name, which is silly, but that was a good one. And then there was the one Jeffrey there... Epstein. Oh, Jeffrey, just uh, to get it out of the way, the Alex Jones thing where he started calling Hillary a communist, which is what you said. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been saying uh, that for a long time. She's pushing a communist ideology anyway. Yes. And I just think it's funny, like when you. 
I just think it's fine. I just think coincidences are funny. I, I believe there are coincidences, and it is obvious that that's her basic ideology. But the Epstein thing, you did say, and I really thought we wouldn't hear a whiff of it, but you did say you thought the Jeffrey Epstein thing would bubble to the surface. Yeah. I think it is. It, it started and to I show do, up but today. I, yeah. Fox News uh, brought about or talked about it. It's been on some other websites. I've even seen some people online who said like some people uh, – because this video I made started getting a lot more views and a lot of comments last night, and I was uh, curious as to why. And I realized it's because people are searching the Epstein thing because it's starting to pop up on websites where people initially blew it off, but now they're taking it more seriously. But what what I had thought of about a month and a half ago was that the only way to take down the Clintons is to make the connections between the Jeffrey Epstein, the pedophile ring, with the Clinton Foundation because he says he helped start the Clinton Foundation. That helped him get a sweetheart deal. And, you know, all the other more nefarious connections going down to the sex island, getting that out into the public discourse uh, nationally, the mainstream media, that's the only way to bring down the Clintons is if everybody knows about that. And so I thought that Trump released those tapes on purpose of him talking about the women about a month ago because – Here's the problem. Okay. The WikiLeaks thing – is where the new Epstein stuff is coming from, and WikiLeaks is obviously a front. Right. I mean, it, it it could be a limited hangout. There's the there's people talking about, and I don't know how much validity to lend to it, but there's people talking about the internal coups between it going on in the FBI and the CIA, where they're uh, fighting amongst each other. And I I, I think those that. things probably happen. I don't know if they're fighting for the general public, but I don't they think they happen fight. anymore. I no, did. I think those those fights happen if fights happened in the sixties and seventies. I think bureaucracy, once Hoover fight. was gone. No, maybe well, at the lower levels, but well, once Hoover no, was gone, no, they're they're fighting people in these these they elites, fight for turf these and money. Fight for their egos are so much more they're so much bigger, and their their vindictiveness is so much higher than the average person. They, okay, it, it, yes, they are fighting with each other. These, these people Everybody, are backstabbers. They're Machiavellian. Yes. Yes, there is all that, the politics, they vie for position, all that stuff is absolutely true, like at every level. But you have to think of it like James Corbett always says, uh, like three-dimensional chess. So what's happening yeah. at this level, Comey is not involved in that. He is an operative straight up. Julian Assange is an operative straight up. Hillary, obviously, is an operative. They, these people are Trump, I think, they're playing their roles. They're not going out on a limb. That's what happened. JFK, Nixon, Ford, Reagan, they go out on a limb and they get their heads blown off. You know, they, that, that is not what's happening at that level, in my opinion, not. But what I do think is happening is, uh, so yeah, so they're bringing out that Epstein thing. But what I do think is that Comey is extending fully fleshing out his legacy as above partisanship maybe he's a little bit of an idiot whatever um maybe he looks a little bit like a clown but nobody will ever accuse him of covering up for hillary just like nobody could have accused him when he resigned objecting to the bush stuff uh that he was a shill for the republicans so if he keeps her if she keeps him in place he can give her plausible cover for everything because he even said in the journal democrats are uh, accusing Comey of unearthing every slight innuendo about Hillary. Yeah. Uh, and so there, he is. that's a legacy that is being set up for him. It's why he was put in place. Did they and say innuendo? I think that does not bode well. 
Did yeah, I think I have that? a quote here. Because yes. that, that's the same – that's that's interesting. It's just a talking point. That's the same phrase that they used on CNN with Obama. Obama comes out to talk about the – to be careful about the innuendos coming from the FBI. It's just an interesting uh, yeah. term that they're choosing. Yeah, this is what it says. It says uh, Mr. Reed, I guess Harry Reed, complained of a disturbing double standard suggesting that the FBI has kept information about alleged associations between Donald Trump's campaign and Russia confidential while publicizing, quote, in the most light, negative light possible, the, quote, slightest innuendo related to Secretary Clinton. So so it says Clinton's team this is the, the headline of this article is Clinton's team questions FBI director's motive. So That's they are acting like he's a hardcore Republican which will be great when she rises above it keeps him in place and uh he whatever does things like outs the Mark Rich pardon, which was a huge scandal. It was the parting scandal of the Bill Clinton administration. And Comey himself is the one for some reason to throw some stuff out there about that. He just, he's doing it in my opinion to create this legacy of um, not being her shill. It it has that effect. It definitely has that effect. Yeah. But of course, that just to me means he is her shill. Yeah. See, the thing with the Epstein stuff, though, is, and we'll see how far it goes. I, I, you know, they are talking about it, and that's what has to happen. If, if they actually, you know, turns into a full blown investigation, th- that's when I'll, I'll start to say that, you know, Hillary's not throwing herself that far under the bus. But I don't know that it'll, it'll get that far. It's, if, what do you what do you think is ultimately within the realm of possibility the worst possible outcome for her at, at, with regard to the Epstein case? What do you think the is real? Possible. Do you think she gets impeached? Well, the wor- I mean, the worst possible outcome is is if if it plays out like it should. Like if we apply the laws of our country, we look to the UK and we look what happened with Jimmy Seville, and of course, some of this stuff got swept under the rug, but ended up being. All kinds of people that were imp- implicated because did they uh, go to jail? I don't know. They were still it investigating. Didn't come out till he was dead. Yeah, it didn't come out till he's dead. That's the problem. <laughs> and then 140 dossiers that had all the names of the 140 people in government who knew about it disappeared exactly. with another guy who's dead. It would collapse the government probably if this thing was um, played but I'm out. Just all say- the way. Yeah, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, you can say what should happen or what could happen in an ideal world. And what I'm saying is, what do you you're you're saying? Why you know? There's a chance this stuff is coming out, and it's a problem for her. And I'm saying, my view of the world is, I I cannot see how this is going to be a problem for her. It's just not going to be treated the way it should be. Right. It's 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 going to be very challenging. To there a chance that it's treated the way it should be, and if so, who is going to lead that charge? Exactly, and that's that to me. That to me, right there, all along, that question you just asked, right there, all along, has been my determinate. Like I, I will say that somebody is legitimately trying to take them down when they pursue that all the way. So if Donald Trump does try to pursue that all the way, then that will sway me because I tell you, you know that I'm on the fence with that. That would sway me that he truly is trying to take her down. And I would say it would have to be one step further than that, and there would actually have to be consequences. Oh, yeah. That's actually, what I mean. It would have to actually hurt right. her. He can talk about Jeffrey Epstein. He can say every single thing. He could have pictures. He can say gross stuff. But if she wins and she gets away with it, even though it's distasteful for her, if she gets what she wants, 
Right. I think they're completely above caring what people think. To me, right. those yeah. people don't care if the grossest stuff is on the as they don't care at all. They right. have to mentally uh, think of themselves as a different species. I mean, do you really care what your goldfish think of you? You know, no. I think that's how they think of us. Oh, I agree. I and I it has to be more than just talk. You're right. It's got to be action. Has Look, do you, do you remember the woman who was shot to death with a baby in the car outside the White House? Basically, her name was Miriam Carey. Yes, I do. Okay, her lawyer tried. They took the baby. And they and this guy tried to fight for her. It was an insane story. I mean, there that thing stinks too high heaven. Was it the uh, father? The same, she, so they thought think that somebody's the father was in the White House or something. Obama. Yes, that's the theory. They actually hazmatted her apartment. They went in and chemically cleaned her apartment before her body was cold. They, they think Obama's the father. I, I don't know, but I think that's the working theory. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it, it, I wrote I wrote a fair amount on it. What I really did was aggregate all the stories and evidence and all that kind of stuff. And my mother, who does not go down the rabbit hole with me, called me up one day and she said, someone needs to speak for that woman. Not because she thought anything about, like, the baby. She just knew she was gunned down for no good reason. My mother yeah. will never go down, like, this vicious path. But that, I'm just saying... The lawyer for the family was arrested after he came out and he was like given a it was like some bankruptcy case that he supposedly never paid. So he was put in jail and the fees by some amount of money he could never pay was supposedly what he owed. And for every day he was in jail, another thousand dollars got added to his fine. (laughs) So then so this was before a long weekend. Then he got out. You know, that next week and and he never said anything kind of out of line again. Then it was just about we need compensation, blah, blah, blah. So I'm just saying and like the San Bernardino terrorist killing thing, which was super fishy. The guy, the male terrorist guy, supposedly when he, he was shot in the head by law enforcement. But if you look at the pictures of his dead body, his hands and feet were zip lined or his hands had handcuffs and his wrists were rubbed raw. So yeah. something weird happened there. And the, and the, the, I, know. I, the lawyer, but, I saw that listen, story though, but I, I'm, but the lawyer came out and said, Hey, something's fishy here. And now I realize why people think something, you know, wasn't right about Sandy hook. Like, like we don't, th- there could be psyops, you know, the, the right. lawyer just had this epiphany at, during a press conference, basically. And you never heard of that guy again. Oh, Try really? to find that lawyer's <laughs> name. Never. So that's all I'm saying. I'm not arguing the merits of the cases and I'm happy to do that if you want to. I'm just yeah. saying who is going to fight that the Virginia Roberts lawyer. He's, if he really gets serious press, I'm afraid that they will convince him to clam up. I, I completely agree. It, it has to be somebody that has money and power themselves who operates among those people who appears to be one of them. This is back to my whole Batman potential <laughs> for Donald Trump. Oh, Fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that would be so great if Donald Trump is Batman. <laughs> I would be so I would love that. I like people think I, <laughs> I have a good friend and she's like the only one who knows. I love when I'm wrong. 
Like, I love, I would love it if Donald Trump were Batman. Like, people are like, oh, I you just too. don't want to be wrong. I'm like, no, no, no. I really want to be wrong. Yeah, I yeah. embrace being wrong. I'm totally confident in my analytical abilities. I can be wrong and it doesn't destroy me. I want to be wrong. Right. I want, I want Donald Trump to be Batman. I do too. Like, I just don't want to get the wool pulled over my eyes. I don't want to dive full in blindly. And, uh, I, I want him to be Batman too. <laughs> well, I just, I feel like, I just feel like the turning points in our in the media, the government were basically the JFK assassination and then um, the USA Patriot Act 9-11 stuff. You know, you could say Watergate was kind of an extension of the JFK assassination and the transformation of the government and the USA Patriot Act 9-11 was the transformation of the media. But I think that we're beyond this idea that there are at the very highest levels competing factions. I think in Clinton, I think there were, I you know, like I think it changed kind of recently. Like I think there there was a real fight between Democrats and Republicans with the Bushes and maybe not Bush versus Clinton because they're good friends, but like uh, the Dole Bush and Kerry Bush stuff, uh, not Dole. Gore Bush and Kerry Bush stuff seemed like there was real contested election shenanigans in those cases. But I feel like now it's just, it's been completely sewn up. I think Obama put the last nail in the coffin for a free press. And Well, the, they're after the internet. The internet is the last area where we have a little bit of, of freedom and through Facebook and Google, they're after that. But we do, that is, that is the area where there is some, some power right now. But they but, gave us that. So I think they're confident that they can control it. That's the ultimate limited hangout when the Defense Department gave us Facebook. I, I think we give them the too internet. much credit, though. Like, these aren't superhuman people. Like, I, I've worked too many corporate uh, improv facilitation things to know that people with big egos in the same room do not cooperate and agree on it. They would rather beat each other and, 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 and topple everything than they would cooperate. I don't think it takes – I don't think it takes much – cooperation i think the goals have to be very very high level and they allow the fighting for the corners so that the whole thing looks real like that's what i think happens in the international arena like uh putin and obama or hillary whatever are gonna go toe to toe and Assad is gonna have to take sides but then in the end putin and and or whatever, the U.S. and Russia are going to sit next to each other at the U.N. and divide up the spoils. I mean, they have to make it – they don't They don't care if there's real problems. They don't care if people really get hurt or get killed or um, some information comes out. Yeah, I, I agree I that that goes on. But I also agree that, that they're, they have uh, secret, you know – agreements with other people and that they're stabbing each other in the back. Uh, I, I, these, these are the most manipulative Ma Machiavellian. They all want to be the, the king of the world. And, yeah, but if they get too yeah. out of hand, they right. get killed. Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. really get killed. They have like, to be, they have a certain level of cooperation, definitely. Ron Brown, you know, Vince Foster, Gaddafi, you know, people yes. who were in the inner circles or Hussein more than Gaddafi. Like superhuman because they're flawed. Like, for no. example, I showed you that trailer, that fake diehard trailer I made. I, I, we, yes. We didn't even try to – to convince people that it was we, – we played around with a little bit, making people think that it was real. But we – a bunch of newspapers and, and media outlets media outlets called us, and we very 
well could have spread this around. I was on IMDb as the main actor in that movie for over a month. They took the real actor wow. off of it and put me no on. No way. And and this and this Come was aired. This, this trailer was aired on ESPN for two weeks. It was aired internationally. What are you talking about? Are and you we kidding? Did, you never told me that. We didn't do any of that. I mean, a little bit. Like I, we we played around with it a little bit, but. My point is there's not these people – there's not these really strict, rigid controls. People just think that there is so they don't go do things because they think they're going to be stopped. I totally agree with that. It's a self-correcting thing. I completely agree with that, and it is good to keep that in mind, like the Asiana air uh, when the anchor woman said all those – names of the pilots that were joke names like she was obviously for real pranked yeah and, but yeah, but the that. thing is that it all it has to be is that the people at the very 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 top they are above the law so that when somebody gets out of line and that's why people are like well nixon watergate wasn't a coup nixon was an insider jfk was an insider yes those are the guys who really have to go because they know too much it's just they can let everybody do their thing they don't have to micromanage it and you just have to be smart like the jim jones thing the congressman who went down to investigate that got killed on the way out yeah. you know like that the, you don't you just have to know you're your limits and their power you don't they don't have to micromanage it i think yeah i mean i th i they they definitely have a an understanding of of the uh they have you know, i think we talked about it the other day they have the they scenario things out so. <laughs> yes yes it's like, nuts anyway um i speaking of before we well we can keep talking about the comey thing but one thing i wanted to say before we move off the whole election is this um william welds the libertarian <laughs> party vice presidential candidate I, I have to say that before i before william weld registered as a libertarian <laughs> i predicted that earlier this year that as soon as Jeb Bush dropped out of the race, because I thought Trump was in it to get Jeb, I knew Trump was a psyop because of some things that happened right away as soon as he announced. My opinion, obviously. I thought it was to get Jeb, and I thought it would be a Clinton-Hillary race so that either way the elites get their elite. Yeah. But when Jeb dropped out, I was like, what? This is not necessary. You know, like why? What This psyop, if this is a Trump psyop, is just too – it's too elaborate. I mean, it's going to mess up the GOP. It's going to what's going on. So then I realized, of course, that the real getting Hillary elected would have been easy, that the real problem was the real one of the big, big goals here was to revamp the GOP. I've said that a million times, but also to uh, neutralize the Libertarian Party. So when William Weld came up, it was so obvious that was happening to me. And then uh what he's doing now is just is just so obvious. It's almost it, it's like oh, just giving it away. Yeah. That his a couple of things that happened this week. One was he was on Rachel Maddow saying someone has to vouch for Hillary, and the other thing was I think on CNN where he was saying Comey is off the reservation, and well, I didn't see the Rachel Maddow thing. I just read like was a that him or Gary Johnson that said that? No, it was. 
it was him, him. It was him because he was a prosecutor or whatever, some attorney general. Okay. I don't know what he was. He's a lawyer guy. And uh, he, oh, he shared an office with Hillary investigating Watergate. Yeah, you told me that a while ago. You called, the, I mean, I remember yeah, so, you told me this months yeah, ago. Yeah, I totally called it. Yeah. But what was funny to me, interesting to me about the CNN interview was that the way it, it, they, the screens behind them when they were talking really looked like they were integrated, looked like they were signs. It was very, Seamless, but all the so it looked like the whole backdrop was Libertarian Party logo stuff. And it's and here is Weld saying somebody, you know, uh, Comey's crazy, Hillary's good, blah, blah. So totally apologizing for Hillary, which there is no reason for that. Like no libertarian would ever even wade into that. Libertarians talk about ideology. It's obviously a setup, but what it was doing was really discrediting the libertarian party to the world to the it's not about libertarians reject it we all know i think by now how ridiculous it all is but he his goal was to discredit to the world to the democrats to the republicans the entire libertarian party so that that's not a viable option going forward because it is the only party that always makes 50 uh state ballots yeah, and I've seen some articles lately about how the libertarians blew their opportunity this time around. So, <laughs> <laughs> Of course. As soon as this happened, I mean, the second it happened, I was like, oh, they're completely screwed. That was crazy and stupid. And and I got a lot. I don't get them anymore, but I used to get tweets and stuff saying, you know, come on, don't be like that. And I did try to refrain from being a spoiler. I hate to be negative all the time, but it it was seemed to me I, I could not have more proof in the pudding yeah. than this. And, and I and I think you were yeah. Yeah, I was saying and somebody's pouring GHB or something or drugging Gary Johnson every morning before he goes out because Well, it, I, I'm beginning to think that he is in on it because uh, you sent me something. I'll post it with the show notes of him losing his cool with the BBC guy. And it looked like he must have been baited like crazy. But yeah. if you look at the whole thing, it was the same camera and he lost his cool with that guy and he lost his cool with the guy before him. And one of the things he said in the middle of this interview was, I'm the dumbest guy in the world. I'm so stupid. And then he smiled at the camera. I couldn't be more stupid. And then like a minute later, he's like, not really. And I was like, you just give that sound bite? Why would you give that sound bite? You know? Yeah. It just, it seemed like he was sabotaging too. And there is, there, people had warned me about him long ago that he was like that. I really don't know. Um, but it's, he's not, neither of them. Yeah. They're, they're correcting the Ron Paul revolution in the eyes of the public. And I think the proof in the pudding for the GOP will also come that, that, I was saying that that GOP needs to respond to the Tea Party and the Ron Paul thing by by reining the rank and file back into the establishment. And I think a big Trump loss is going to do that. But we shall see. We shall see. Uh, I wanted to make another point about I noticed about that PSYOP, the GOP PSYOP. I couldn't help but notice recently. I was like, hmm. Ohio and Florida are super duper important states. And it's funny that Kasich and Rubio spent a lot of time throwing uh, Trump under the bus during the primaries in those very states. That's weird. And I thought, and who was the other guy? Texas. Jeb and Cruz were from Texas. I said, but Texas will never, ever go Republican. And then I saw this article I talked about earlier that Changing demographics and Trump. Uh, oh, this was about North Carolina, which is the other one. 
that presidential race in Texas tightens as voter registration surges and it talks about um, Hispanic vote and all that kind of stuff. But I I feel like those guys have all contributed to what might end up being a weak turnout for Trump in those critical states. and I also think North Carolina was – I think Texas and North Carolina are in the crosshairs. Maybe this is a what to watch out for as turning from uh, Democrat to Republican. North Carolina has had so much bad press, so much uh, um, corporate backlash for laws they – the transgender law, all that stuff. I just feel like North Carolina has been in the crosshairs. But I wanted to – the reason I'm bringing this stuff up is – I get flack from libertarians just simply from observing that migration policies are designed to have political impact, that the politicos deliberately influence demographics. And then I got an email from a listener, JB, who said, pointed out to me that migratory patterns, even within the United States, are designed to do that. And that's when I realized like what was happening in North Carolina. So today when I saw an article, it said Trump and changing demographics are helping turn North Carolina blue. And it talks about, it says the shift has been fueled by an influx of new residents from out of state to city centers like Raleigh and Charlotte. So my view that migration patterns are manipulated for political reasons isn't racist or xenophobic. It has nothing to do with national boundaries. This is something that's happening inside the country, equivalent to gerrymandering, that's going to change traditional areas. You can, When you have an electoral vote and popular vote that uh, are different like that, it really matters where the, where the population, populations uh, shake out in these individual districts. So that was just my little observation of how manipulated this is. Because because the the migration patterns have caused the the actual – the state to change its uh, ideology essentially? Yeah. Well, it's – what it's doing is – yeah, they're changing from Republican for sure states to Democrat states. Yeah, that's interesting. Because of the demographics, it's not by going in and telling people, right. convincing yeah, yeah, people of a different ideology. People. Yeah, yeah, it's moving people, and they do that just with the vote anyway. Like they say, yeah. they, like that Foval thing, one of those Project Veritas videos said, they actually bust people across state lines. Yeah. to vote. And one thing that just cracks me up is when they 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 repeatedly say in the Wall Street Journal that Trump claims unsubstantiated. Rumors that right. illegal immigrants vote. And Unsubstantiated. That's just, I, Give me a break. When I lived in California, I had a babysitter who was uh, not a citizen. She wasn't here illegally, but she was not a citizen. She went to get a driver's license, and they told her to register to vote. And she said, but I'm not eligible to vote. He said, just fill it out. <laughs> so they're doing it at the DMV. They're doing it at the DMV. Yeah, you know what I mean? They're getting everybody that because by doing it. So and I've known a tons of illegal immigrants who have voted. I knew the first illegal immigrant I knew who voted was a Dane, a Danish guy who was a visiting student when I was at Stanford during the a Clinton election. So I and that in that moment, that one vote destroyed my faith in the system. I was like, oh, my God, yeah, the vote is invalid. 
I, now I, I know. Right. I think I told you about my my friend who his he got sent the wrong a ballot with the wrong address on it. Oh yes, yes. What is the story with that? Tell me more. He lives in Fulton County, and they were voting absentee because his wife was scheduled to have a, a C section, I believe, yesterday, and so they wanted to go ahead and get their their ballots in. And they got mailed the the ballot, and with the ballot comes the the envelope that has the pre-addressed um, address on there that they're supposed to send it back to. And and the thing is, it's really rigid in the rules. Like you have to follow the rules, or your vote doesn't count. So it's not like you can scratch out an address and put another one on. Right. Uh, or so, even if you just opened the envelope, you could pro- it probably invalidates the thing. If it arrives with the envelope opened, I assume right. that's invalid. The, there was so many the, the ri- rules were so rigid, and he wanted to make sure his vote got counted. So he just he physically went over to the location on the address to take it there because he wanted to make sure it got there. And when he got there, the lady was like, um, "This this isn't the right place. This hasn't been the right place for five years." And it's on websites also, and all three, all three voters in his family had the wrong address on there. He tried to – he asked the people there where the right place was. They didn't know. He called a bunch of people. He got multiple different locations. Um, he, last time I talked to him, he still wasn't 100 percent sure on where it was supposed to go, and – he, he, yeah, he um, he was probably going to go vote via the machine because he didn't feel confident because nobody would give him uh, a sure answer on where to send his ballot. It would be great to know what the extent of that is, and I'm sure stuff like that happens all the time, and that does sound like straight-up incompetence, and it would just – only if it was systematically targeting one uh, – politically one group yeah. you know leaning county yeah. over another but i i was here i was shocked when i heard on fox and i just read that trump had said it that uh you could change early voters can change their votes there's a procedure to take your vote back which to me what, is really insane yes it says early voters you can change your vote i didn't uh, see that that's crazy yeah it's in in numerous states that is a possibility, which it makes no sense at all. That's truly crazy. So there's now going to end up being – we're going to get from this election. The next time there's going to be voting booths on voting day that allow you to come wait in line and change your vote. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't – people really object to early voting. Like they just think it's a complete scam. I don't know why. I haven't really – just didn't no, snap with early, early voting is a complete scam. Yeah, why? <laughs> well, it's different than – What's absentee voting early? Why is it a scam? Because how's it more of a scam than a right than just going and voting? Yeah, yes, yes. I don't know. I don't know. But this could be. I mean, it could just open up a whole host of new problems. Maybe it's a stepping stone to the voting electronically, which is truly a black box. I absolutely hate all black boxes and voting black boxes because you just you can't follow it. That in itself invalidates. What's a black box? A black box is when you put a bunch of information in, like computer programs or like that, and you get an answer out. But you can't see the math. Oh, yeah. So black box voting is like you put your – you go – you walk up to it. This is my – my analogy is like you might as well rub a Buddha's belly. Like you might as well go into the voting booth and make a wish. (laughs) (laughs) Wishing a fountain because you go in and you press your little button. You know, it could be straight out of – 
a dystopian science fiction where you go or like a reality show where you go into the confession booth and you just go in there and you press your button and the voting machine says, thank you. I've recorded your vote. Yeah. And then at the headquarters, it's like, oh, 5,000 votes gotten from this voting machine. 2,500 right. and, you know, like that. And it's just a black box. You can't prove it. You can't follow it. You can't watch it. And that's what's wrong with it. And their electronic voting, there's absolutely no way that you personally... I was a monitor for the first Seam Reed mayoral election, and I could not follow them. I just sat there in a room, and I didn't even see the ballots. I was like, how is this? Right, this yeah. doesn't... Like, what do you there do? There was no way. What's and I was intimidated. If you see a problem, do you just run and tackle somebody? But there was no way to see a problem. A bunch of boxes came in That's and a bunch point. of people moved them around. You know, yeah. like nobody opened them and started throwing them around. But I didn't know. I didn't, nobody came up to me and said, this is the chain of custody. You need to watch and make sure nobody opens these boxes. There were just a bunch of people who were obviously hostile to me. Did they and give you instructions? Just, none. That's crazy. Sit, sit at this desk yeah, in this it. warehouse. I read an entire book in one day. In 20 years from now, we're not even going to have to go vote. We're just going to um, – they're going to mail us uh, an envelope, and inside of it, they'll tell us who we voted for. Maybe you can just think your vote. That's what I'm talking about. Like if a, we think like it, they'll prayer. say you voted oh, for this tell person. you. Yeah. <laughs> this is who you voted for. <laughs> yes, that could be it. Uh, all right. Well, I hope that wasn't too disjointed, but it is – it's all I got. What you got? Uh, what else you got? I just wanted to point out just what really what's going on, like the opportunity that exists in the media right now and the way that it's being exploited. This whole circus has kind of reached uh, a, a fever pitch. And for anyone who has ever wanted to, to, to cash in uh, on the, the media frenzy, whether they want to get their business promoted or they want to they look the person that lies to them on network news every night in the eye or, or, or whether they want to uh, you know, defame somebody, right now is the time to do it <laughs> because you can get yourself on the mainstream media without any facts being investigated because they don't care about facts. All they want is a sensational headline, and you can have your 15 minutes of fame you just have to kind of fall in line with what the what their narrative or their story is. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe Trump looked at you in 1985 and you felt sexually assaulted. You got you got 15 minutes with Anderson Cooper if you did that. Jake Tapper, he'll have that you on would also. Be- the sh- the surest way is yeah. if you accuse Trump of something. Exactly. Definitely or get or on you there. have some insider tip about how how it's definitely rigged. You've proven it. Then then you'll be on every alternative news outlet there ever is. You know. You no, but make- if you actually prove it, you won't be. Oh if no! You if you won't prove it, no fact factual information. They do not want. They only want sensational headlines. Yeah. They want somebody to present it confidently. You, you got some poll rigging stuff. O'Reilly. He wants you in the spin zone. It's you just got to come up with a big headline that you can deliver to them that they can deliver to the the their their viewing audience and you have your 15 minutes of fame the some people don't want that 15 minutes of fame some people want to be completely ignored now those people who don't want any media attention at all the best way the best way to make sure that you get no media attention at all is to go out and get yourself violently raped by Bill Clinton <laughs> Uh, it's, it is true though. What happens is that they're looking at, they don't actually, that's what I see with like the Epstein thing with Trump bringing out Clinton's victims, all this stuff that throws everything into the basket of deplorables, election fraud, everything that if you could actually present it in a coherent way and convince people 
that uh, it's it's correct, you would actually not get the media coverage because that would right. get people to believe it. it. To be you only get the media coverage if it's if it's obviously ridiculous on its face. Which, for example, although they weren't advertising it on the mainstream media, but a great example of what you're talking about is, I think, in episode four of the Propaganda Report with the Charlotte stuff, where those. Uh, girls or women made that video that sparked the riots and and obviously for fox news to be saying that that video was made by the daughter of the victim is just reckless irresponsible they they don't follow up on it it's just she wouldn't give them her name and at one point she said she was the sister not the daughter to the mainstream media and still they just tidied up the story so they could report it when it was not true that's what they get away with because there's so much media that comes in and out of the news they push it right out of the the mainstream what you mentioned earlier is you think that it's uh that somebody's watching it it's like who who will watch the watchers you think like i remember when shep smith came out and said MH17, which went down over Ukraine, he's like, Putin killed those people. Putin just murdered 300 people. Shep Smith said that. And I was like, yeah. can you, can you, that's not true for sure. So how can you say that and get away with it? But they do. And that's what people don't realize is that no one watches the watchers. And as a matter of fact, yeah. it's been adjudicated that the news doesn't have to be true. No. So there is no recourse. Really? Yeah, there was a case in Florida that uh, now I don't know how high up this holds, but the case was like involved Roger Ailes at Fox. uh, Yeah. And Monsanto. And they said that Monsanto pressured Fox to have a reporter pull a story. I think it was Jane Akers was the reporter about hormones in cows or whatever. And they wanted her to report a number that wasn't true or make a conclusion that was not correct. And she lost her job over it. It's just a big, long story. But the court said first she won, but then in appeal, she lost. And they said the news has no obligation to be true. (laughs) I mean, it's interesting. I've written about it. I think you can check it out on one of my GMO articles. There's a story that uh, happened speaking to that. I hesitate to say it. I'll have to go out and find it um, so I can uh, back it up. But one of the shootings that happened last year, I can't remember which. It was one of the school shootings. The media, everybody in the media presented the shooter as being a angry white college student. He was black. He was mixed race. Really? Yes. I, because I, I, when I was re- watching the story, I was like, he doesn't look – Caucasian to me, yeah, and, and so I researched it, and his like his mom was white and his dad was black, or vice versa. But he was he was an African American, and every media outlet said he was white because it fit the narrative they were pitching. Did you ever see that Bill Whittle uh, episode on cultural Marxism, where they show the mainstream media talking about the racists who showed up at an Obama speech or an Obama rally with their guns, yeah, open carry. You showed me that video. All the racists, and then if you actually see the raw footage, you see that the guy whose gun they're showing you is a black it's guy. A black guy, yeah, yeah, just total defender of his rights, standing there, just whatever, and they they just <laughs> made it right. completely up. And that that and, the, and thing how about about, the, yeah. the thing about that is. Those are only the occasions that that we catch. They're doing that every day. Yes, I caught one. 
I caught one where Fox or CNN was showing footage of the chemical weapons used on the children in Syria, and it was in a cave with, like, saran wrap around. I was like, that's not Assad's chemical weapons. Those are the rebels. And I found the original raw footage where they found this cave because the rebels blew themselves up and went to the hospital. And and I, I think that was just probably incompetence. They probably just labeled, yeah. you know, chemical weapons footage. But there it was. Nobody checked it, even though if you look at these things critically at all, you can see there is absolutely no way that's in a government institution. You yeah. can just see it. They did that with and- the Oregon shooting also, the the community college shooting. You know, they get so eager to report live and report first. That's the pressure that's put on them. And, and so – they don't do the due diligence because if they do the due diligence, it's going to take longer and they're going to be behind the ball and they're not going to get the ratings. So during the Oregon shooting, this yeah. network, they just – I guess they went and grabbed some generalized uh, school shooting footage in the back and they put it on. But if you pause it, they had put the Sandy Hook footage on. So they're talking about the Oregon no, shooting. and the Sandy Hook footage wasn't of Sandy Hook. It was of a, it was of a drill. You know that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so it's like double super fake. Right. But there's no consequences for putting stuff out there that supports the official narrative. Whereas that's why the alternative media is actually, in my observation, oftentimes if you're discriminating, you know, if you really look for the stuff that's high quality, oftentimes it's of a much higher quality because you can't say alternative stuff to the official narrative without being scrutinized, without being snopesed, you know, like they will debunk you to high heaven. And, but if you're just repeating the official narrative, you got nothing to worry about in my observation It's as a person who, who needs to worry. It's so maddening too. It it goes back to the, it's back to the kind of the uh, ambiguity or playing to the specific market, but when you when you don't fall in line with either the left or the right, then you look at you see both of them, and it just it pulls your mind in different directions. Like the stories earlier, the one on Drudge that are promoting the African Americans that are anti Hillary, and then you have the stories on CNN that are promoting the 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 stories of the the white racists who are burning down black churches and shooting up people. So it's it's pulling things in opposite directions. There, like the other two stories I, I saw. It was about Hillary's uh, 17 uh, agencies that say it's all Russians. I, I look, I was looking that up, and I was. And, and <laughs> the first two articles yeah. back to back, one was fact checked. No, there aren't 17 agencies that support it. The next right. one was yes, there are 17 agencies that support it, and they were both fact check sites. But it is funny when you pull uh, away from the two party thing. My husband was telling me recently, he never goes down the rabbit hole. He's just not even, I mean, really, I I, I, used to, I used to think like we should be able to talk about this stuff. It's probably better that I have like a, it's like agar, like a neutral environment when I'm home. Yeah. But I must have rubbed off on him a little bit because he works with a lot of Democrats and he was saying, he'll say like, it's not going to matter who's going to win. We're still, they're still going to tax you like half or whatever it is they tax altogether. They're still, you're going to spend half the money. They're still going to bomb these countries. They're still, uh, whatever. Well, it's really not going to, he really doesn't think that deeply about it, but he knows that where we're headed and that it's not going to make any difference at this point with the big parties. And, and the, they all think he's a Trump supporter. <laughs> And, and that's because, the challenge. Yeah. Yeah, because he's because they're just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're a Trump supporter. He's like, what what are you talking about? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just can't hear 
anything that doesn't say Trump is a jerk or Hillary's I'm with her, you know, if he's not saying those things and it happens to me all the time too. Right. You can't, it doesn't matter. You can't tell people I'm a Hillary supporter, but you're trying to say that these people are rapist child molesters and they're like, (laughs) Oh, so you like Trump then the other, uh, I'm just like, can you not? Someone else said to me the other day, Oh, I, you know, I was, I I've had bad experiences being sexually harassed. So I can't, you know, that is really impacting my voting. And this was right after the Trump, um, Billy Bush video. Yeah. And so I knew where she was going with it, you know? And I said, so you can't vote for Hillary because her husband's a rapist, right? And she was like, what? <laughs> I should say, I didn't say he was a rapist. He was accused of rape in what I consider to be a plausible account. But um, but yeah, she just, her whole system just broke down. She's like, well, I was, you know, either way, I was just thinking Trump. I said, oh, so you're not going to vote or you're going to vote for, you know, Gary Johnson or whatever. And she was just like, I. <laughs> smoke coming it, out of her ears yeah it was upsetting you know and i and i just thought how can you think that the choice to make based on your uh discomfort with sexual crimes is hillary you know yeah. how that is just so like msm meme that you know but this conversation i'm sure right. the conversation that we are having right now if it was broadcast publicly, millions and millions of people would interpret it as if they were pro-Trump that were anti-Trump and if it was pro-Hillary that were anti-Hillary. Exactly. And I guess exactly we're anti-both. Right. I'm not anti-anything. I just think it's – I think we're – we're compl- this is a, a show, a, a, just a circus. Yeah. Bill Maher said on his show the other day, he said that it doesn't matter what revelations come out about Hillary. He, he, you could find John Brene Ramsey in her basement. He's not voting for Trump. <laughs> and Trump said, "I could shoot somebody on the middle of Fifth Avenue." And exactly. I wouldn't lose my supporters either. And, and, and yeah, it's and that's just, the interesting thing is all these revelations come out. And it's really it doesn't it doesn't really. It, there's people in the middle that it might influence a little, but it just makes the people on either side stand that much firmer and stronger with their opponent with their uh, candidate. And and. It's that blue and red are identities too. Yeah, they're they're colors. They're it's like it, it's an identity. Like it, it does not matter whether what the like but Trump coming out for maternity leave and to block the AT and T merger and to consider minimum wage. I mean, this stuff is not Republican stuff, right? But it doesn't matter. The ideology doesn't matter. I mean, we we no. we're just past it. Yeah, the rhetoric. Anyway. That's what the, uh, this book, another book I was reading about uh, propaganda, says the exact same thing. It says it does not matter what you actually do or what your policies are. It only matters that you speak the language of that uh, ideology of the group that you're speaking to. And what's funny is that it's actually opposite of what you of what you think. So I was reading this thing about how Hillary might want to privatize social security and give us all 401ks with this expanded base of assets we're allowed to invest in. And and for me, I have, I don't want to get into it, but I think they deliberately kneecapped pensions for companies by making it virtually impossible for companies to comply with the requirements. And pensions used to be like 40 or 50% 
of the stock market. So, and they had guaranteed distributions. So you knew how much you were getting. And then that means that your retirement, private retirement money was the smart money in the market. But when they put it into the 401ks, you're the dumb money because that's not your job and you don't have a guaranteed payout. You have only a guaranteed input. So to me, I, I'm all for private everything. They should stop taking your money. But what I don't like is for them to say, we're going to take your money. You you have to put money into the stock market. That's your requirement by law. And then we're going to, uh, it's going to be great because then the smart money can, <laughs> can, can front run you all day long. So this is a bad problem. And uh, the article I was reading said, Hillary, We'll take your Social Security away. This was a real liberal article because it'll take a Democrat to do that. Just like I have said and read, it'll take a Republican to take your guns. Yeah. So the blue-red thing is plays into this pathocracy thing where they they actually use the identity to screw you over exactly. <laughs> in your group. Exactly. Like they only only she can suppress, only Hillary can suppress the anti-war left. Therefore, she is the one who has the power to bring you more war. It's yep. it is truly pathological. Hitler campaigned on socialism. Well, he was a national socialist. I, I, so, and, I, and, and and it's all ugh. I mean anyway, yeah. I don't want to go down that road. I know, but, but, but the uh, point is they always campaign on what that what the group they're targeting wants to hear and well they're always they it, what george washington said you can't build a system if it relies on people voting against their own interests yeah, that's why exactly. you're supposed to keep these foundational laws sacrosanct and not let democracy erode them you need to stick to the bill of rights and everything so that's the thing like i don't need identity politics i don't need to know who's the worst group because if we just stick to the principles and defend our rights it doesn't matter, but and we can band together on that. That's why I like the Ron Paul revolution and uh, and not the um, so-called populist revolution. But anyway, all right, that's all I got. I think this uh, concludes episode nine of the Propaganda Report. Don't you uh, agree, Binkley? I do want to say one quick thing for people to look out okay, for this week. Okay, is there a to watch out for? Yeah, it's, right, uh, it's a quick one. Pay close attention to Hillary's position on how Trump is committing Russia espionage because basically Hillary is doing this. She, she will say you can't trust Trump with a nuclear codes because he's going to blow up the country, blow up the world, insinuating that he's going to start World War III. Then the next thing out of her mouth will be a provocation provoking Russia into World War III, talking about the no-fly zones. And then Trump will respond by saying, maybe we should talk to Russia and get along with them because that would be better. That would be better than World War III. And then Hillary's response is, he is committing Russian espionage by trying to keep us out of World War III. That's essentially what her response is. And then people who support her are going, Trump's going to get us into World War III. I don't know how people yes, don't someone see someone said that to me the other day at a pumpkin patch, a guy who's as radical as I am, but on the left, uh, and as far away from me as could be, but he dislikes Trump and Hillary. He thinks... Uh, you know, America is an empire. He just, he's just an old throwback. He doesn't fall for the whole uh, Obama's great because he's a Democrat and won the peace prize. So therefore he likes peace. He's not falling for yeah. it. But he did say to me, 
the reason I am voting for Hillary is that you can't trust Trump with a nuclear code. And she is provoking World War III on a daily basis. You can't trust her not to use them. Yeah. Like she, it's not like you can't trust her to like freak out and, and fly off the handle. It's that you can be pretty sure. I mean, I don't know if she's going to, I doubt she'll go for nukes, but I'm just saying like we're, she's escalating war. Jill Stein but, even said yeah. that Hillary Clinton is a far worse threat to getting us into a nuclear World War III than Donald Trump is because that is Hillary Clinton's plan. I mean, this is Jill it's Stein. Not just, it's not just that it's her plan. It's that she can get it done, whereas Trump, people would, the entire country would shut down if Trump tried to do that. But Hillary will convince us, and maybe Obama will make a cameo and tell people, you know, it's like that Caddyshack thing where the judge says, you know, I had to put two young men to death today. I didn't want to do it. I felt I owed it to them. <laughs> it's like she doesn't want to do it. She just feels she, you know, like I really I like these people. I don't want to have to invade their countries. I don't want to have to bomb them. And, you know, you can trust me that there's no uh, racial element to this. It's not if that I, I don't care that they're brown or whatever. I just I feel like I have to do this. So simmer down. But Trump could never get away with that. Yeah, that's all I got. All right. So, uh, wow. Maybe we'll get another one in before the election or not. What do you think? Should I we think try we to should try or? to. All right. We'll try to do it, but it's coming up. It's less than a week to the, to the election. You want to you want to make a prediction, Binkley? <laughs> Who do you think is going to win? I think <laughs> I, I, I my position along all along has been that Hillary was chosen a couple of years ago and that they were as long as it wasn't just so blatantly obvious that that they were going to give it to her, that, that as long as they could maintain the illusion of democracy, they're going to give it to her. And I think that they have maintained that. I agree. And I think maybe that's what all these fireworks are for, to make it really feel like it got down to the wire. Like, your vote counts. Get out there and vote. And uh, so let's see what happens. Until next time, this is Monica Perez. And Brad Binkley. And this concludes Episode 9 Have of the Propaganda Report. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Have you had enough? Of the rubber stamp. Have you had enough? The wire tap.